A judge dismisses a father's lawsuit against an abortion clinic for killing his baby without his permission, proving the left does not want to keep families together. A South African doctor is banned from practicing medicine because he called a baby a baby. Then Facebook relies on financially incentivized abortionists to fact check pro-life content they don't like. Lastly, Dave Chappelle, of all people, illustrates the consequences of putting ideology before reality. I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. Hey, welcome to Unaborted. Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode. If you're not aware already, this show is a conversation in a show where we show where we focus on unpacking the news and events from the front lines of the abortion wars of the pro-life movement, examining the consequences of ideas and their impact on our country, on our policy, and on our families. And so we have a lot to get to today, examining those types of ideas coming from the front lines of the pro-life movement as our country is more and more and more divided on the moral question of abortion. And the most recent news that illustrated this was this week a judge dismissed a father's lawsuit against an abortion clinic for killing his baby without his consent. He's saying, this is my child. I'm literally the biological father. And I, I was completely ostracized from this decision and conversation. I had no rights to speak up for the life of my child. And a judge actually took this case, and then another judge dismissed the case. And you know what? It is a tragedy. It is a tragedy and a sign of our times that I can even say a sentence like that. That a judge dismisses a father's lawsuit against an abortion clinic for killing his baby without his consent. Because killing human beings is wrong, regardless of whether anyone is consented or not. Killing innocent human beings, especially babies, is wrong regardless of whether you've given your consent. It would, be, it would be immoral and disgusting for a parent of a toddler to insinuate that it's only okay for you to kill my child if I've consented. But this, this type of news today is par for the course after nearly 47 years of legalized abortion. So we're going to unpack this story and give you an update about what's going on. But first, I want to tell you about our show's first sponsor. When it comes to marketing, business owners today are inundated with options. Everything from PR to branding, social media, email, marketing, video, podcast, how you tell your story. It's a confusing wilderness of choices. And if you're not informed on what best choices to make, you might get lost in the wilderness. It's easy to spend a ton of money only to find yourself on the wrong path. Well, Marketing Trail Guide is here to help. They show B2B businesses how to get clear on their objectives, define attainable marketing goals, design a strategic marketing map, and put the systems and resources in place to reach their goals. You can think of them as your virtual chief marketing officer. So if you want to get a free marketing evaluation for your business, go to marketingtrailguide.com so you can get out of the marketing wilderness and onto the right path and take your business to the next level, to new heights. Listen, don't try to figure this out by yourself. 
Jack of all trades is master of none. Trust the people who know how to do this. That's marketingtrailguide.com, marketingtrail.com, the first sponsor of Unaborted. Go and check them out. So in 2017, a man by the name of Ryan Magers and his girlfriend get pregnant. They have an unplanned pregnancy. And his girlfriend immediately decides to schedule an abortion, or she decides in her mind that she does not want this child and she's going to eliminate this baby. Well, Ryan pleads with his girlfriend not to have the abortion. He steps up to the plate, takes an extra job to prepare for the birth, and continues to plead with his girlfriend not to get the abortion. She gets the abortion anyways. She arranges the death of their child and shortly after, Ryan and his girlfriend break up. Well, Ryan did something that few men have ever done since the legalization of Roe v. Wade. And his choices actually made some traction in the pro-life movement. He decided to sue the Alabama Women's Center where his girlfriend got the abortion for killing his baby without his consent. Now, from a moral perspective, this is entirely reasonable. He's one of the parents. <laughs> and, and he had no... He had no option. He had no rights to go to bat for his unborn child and save that baby's life. Well, in March 2019, a Madison County judge from Huntsville, Alabama, where they live, granted Ryan Mager's petition to represent the estate of his child, who was dubbed Baby Roe, and as a result, sue the abortion facility. So this was the first case of its kind in our country since the legalization of abortion because men have been entirely silenced. They have had no voice legally on the issue of abortion. They're not allowed to prevent their girlfriend or wife from getting an abortion. So the attorney for Ryan, a man by the name of Brent Helms, told the local news station in Huntsville, Alabama, that this is the first estate I'm aware of that has ever been opened for an aborted baby. Then Ryan, the father of the aborted baby, told ABC 31 in February when he announced his lawsuit, he said, I'm here for the men who actually want to have their baby. I just tried to plead with her and plead with her and just talk to her about it and see what I could do. But in the end, there was nothing I could do to change her mind. The reason there was nothing he could do to change her mind there was nothing he could do to prevent the murder of his unborn child was because our country has decided to strip men of their parental authority as long as the children that made them parents are located six inches away in their mother's womb. Our country has decided that men who are parents of unborn children have no moral authority to speak into the legal circumstances that may lead to the death of their unborn children. Unfortunately, state laws that have seeked to require a father to be notified or given a say in the possible abortion of his child have consistently been struck down by the courts because that goes against the precedent, which is that women have 100% autonomy and freedom to exercise the right to abortion. And so if the state doesn't have a right to prevent her from obtaining an abortion, the argument goes from the pro-choice side that neither should the men, despite the fact that they are the father of these children. So in 1976, in, in a case called Planned Parenthood versus Danforth, 
that went before the U.S. Supreme Court, the spousal, uh, it found that spousal consent statutes are unconstitutional if the statutes allow the husband to prohibit the abortion in the first trimester. So if certain states were trying to pass spousal consent laws that would only enable the pregnant mother to get an abortion if the father consented within the first trimester. Well, that went all the way to the Supreme Court and our Supreme Court said, no, no, fathers have no moral weight to weigh into the lives of their unborn children. And then in 1992, in the very popular decision, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, the United States Supreme Court struck down a law requiring that a married woman notify her husband of her plans to have an abortion prior to it taking place. And of course, this is so reasonable because despite the fact that abortion is legal and is protected as a legal right, it's obviously not a moral right. And so at the very least, one of the ways that pro-life individuals have tried to save the lives of some unborn children in a system where abortion is legal to the day of birth is to pass certain bills like this that say, okay, at the very least, the husband has to be notified by the mother of her intention to get an abortion before she gets the abortion. And that, that was struck down in 1992. So, so our country has completely stripped the right from men to, to literally try to save their unborn children. They are not even allowed to try. They will be arrested if they try to physically prevent their wife or girlfriend from stepping into an abortion clinic for the scheduled death of their child. So this young man, Ryan, had all of his parental rights stripped from him because hashtag feminism, hashtag women's equality. This is obviously very disturbing. And this has been going on for 47 years. Men have been utterly silenced. So that's the background of this story. Well, Life News ran a story on September 3rd that a judge ended up dismissing Ryan Mager's lawsuit. A Madison County Circuit judge by the name of Chris Comer dismissed the lawsuit saying, quote, the court finds that plaintiffs asserted claims for punitive money damages are not cognizable under Alabama law, including the Alabama wrongful death act, which was how this lawsuit was initiated. Ryan saying this was a wrongful death. This was my child. And I did not agree to this. And I did not consent to this. And I did not want this. And I'm the father, gosh darn it. But because abortion's legal, this judge dismisses the case. So essentially the abortion facility, because they didn't do anything unlawful, he has no case because everything was legal under Roe. Now, as you're probably aware, the pro-choice movement has always misunderstood the difference between legality and morality. One of the most common arguments that you'll hear for abortion is, well, it's legal. It's a constitutional right. That's what Roe v. Wade says. Yeah, but there's been some legal things that have been very evil. There's been settled law that hasn't been moral. <laughs> you can't argue for the morality of a given thing by simply saying, well, it's legal. Never forget, everything the Nazis did was perfectly legal. That didn't stop us from prosecuting them for crimes against humanity. <laughs> so they, this, this whole case assumes that legality versus, is, is basically equal to morality. Oh, certainly nine unelected judges on the Supreme Court in 1973 couldn't have made an immoral decision, right? I mean, they're on the highest court of the land. Certainly they have a perfect moral framework to make decisions by. Yeah, except the United States Supreme Court has given us a lot of really bad decisions, and some of which have been overturned. 
So simply because abortion is legal, that doesn't mean that Ryan Magers should have his voice and parental rights stripped from him because abortion is indeed immoral despite the fact that it's legal. Imagine the incoherence of this story if it involved literally any child already born. (laughs) Literally any child that is post-utero that is post-womb, that has created the journey from the uterus through the birth canal into the world. Imagine saying that fathers have no legal rights to stop or seek to stop the mother of his children from killing his newborn, his toddler, his teenager. You know, teenagers, they can be really annoying. So I guess because hashtag women's rights, if a mother who is a stay-at-home mom and has the biggest burden of parenting, wants to kill her teenager. Parents have no rights. Uh, fathers have no rights. I mean, imagine the incoherence of this story. I mean, and of course, these are the same children. They're just more developed. They're just outside the womb. But we say if they're in the womb, fathers have no voice. But if they're outside the womb, suddenly the father's voice and parental authority, it matters now. Congratulations. This is the incoherence of the abortion worldview. Why should fathers have parental authority to stop the killing of their born children, but not their unborn children? That would be the question to ask of of this pro-abortion judge, Chris Comer, or of anyone on the left. Why, Why do you believe that fathers have parental authority to stop the killing of their born children, but not of their unborn children? Any answer given to that question by members of the left or members of the pro-choice community will be an example of functionalism. Will be an example of saying, well, human value differs on a sliding scale. And if you don't possess certain functions that I say you must possess to have value, then you can be killed. Because the only difference between the unborn in the womb and the baby outside the womb is their size, right? How developed they are, maybe how dependent they are. Well, those are the same differences we find amongst all born people. So if if we begin to define human value according to arbitrary functions, subjective functions, then we can justify killing anybody because nobody shares those capacities equally. So any answer given to the question Why should fathers have parental authority to stop the killing of their born children, but not their unborn children, will be an example of functionalism. And when functionalism reigns, when human value is dictated and determined by your usefulness to others or by the possession of capacities that someone on high says you must have to have value, then we all lose. And human equality goes out the window because nobody shares those capacities and functions equally. But of course, the pro-choice movement doesn't have a good answer for why fathers shouldn't have the authority to stop the killing of their unborn children because they don't care about reality. They don't have a good answer to that question because they don't care about reality. The reality that fathers are actually fathers to their unborn children doesn't matter because ideology trumps reality. The ideology of abortion that we have to have abortion in order to maintain women's rights. We have to have abortion in order to enable family planning and economic freedom and bodily autonomy. That ideology will always trump reality on the left in the pro-choice movement. The pro-abortion ideology always trumps reality. 
It must be protected so that we can have sex without consequences or responsibility. And if we have to tear families apart to maintain that ideology, then so be it. This is the belief of the pro-choice movement. And they will turn a blind eye to the fact that Ryan Magers is actually the father of his murdered child. In, in, in any world, that is true. Biologically, he is the father. That is reality. But no, we have to pretend like that's not true. Because otherwise, we'd have to sacrifice our ideology that enables us to access the legal right to kill children that we want to dispose of in order to live the life that we want to live. So Mager's attorney, Brent Helms, told the local news, as this is the first case of its kind, we expected to have to appeal to a higher court. At this point, we are exactly where we thought we'd be. Good for him. Good for Brent Helms, this attorney. Good for Ryan Magers for using this opportunity to fight for the rights of fathers to speak into the situations in which their wives or girlfriends might be trying to arrange the death of their children. Good for them for fighting for life and using this as an opportunity to enshrine the parental rights of both parents to speak up for the life of their unborn children because fathers right now are completely ostracized, silenced, and shoved off of the abortion debate. So we're going to continue looking at this story, giving you updates and letting you know what happens. But next, we're going to look at a story out of South Africa where a doctor has been banned from practicing medicine because he told a pregnant patient that unborn babies are humans and that abortion kills an unborn baby. He's literally been banned from practicing medicine because ideology trumps reality. But first, I have an exciting announcement. This fall and spring semester, in partnership with Students for Life of America, I'm going on the road for my university speaking tour. I've been telling you about this, right? It's called Abortion is Genocide. I only have room for one or two more universities this fall as my schedule is filling up. So try to get in there for the fall or if not, maybe next semester in the spring. I'm going to be talking about abortion in the larger historical framework of genocide because genocide always entails the dehumanization of an entire victim class so that you can justify their mass extermination, their mass mistreatment. Because if you can convince a society that th that class of human beings over there, while maybe biologically human like Jews and blacks and unborn babies, they're not persons and only persons have rights. If you can enshrine and implant that ideology in a society, it becomes easier to accept the proposition that we can eliminate that group. That's what abortion does. And the result of, of this type of worldview is always dead, innocent human beings. And the, the moral consequences of Roe v. Wade in terms of lives is significantly worse than the moral consequences of slavery and the Holocaust. And that's not, that's not too, that's not too treat those genocides as something less than atrocious is to say that over 60 million baby humans have been killed because of the genocide of abortion. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And on these college campuses, we're going to enable an entire hour for Q&A and interactive questions. So if you want to book this speaking tour at your university, let me know. And we have a couple more spots for the fall. Next, we are going to examine this doctor being banned from practicing medicine for saying that babies our babies. So we'll be right back. So 
So welcome back to Unaborted. As we just examined, when ideology trumps reality, it enables the pro-choice movement and members of the left to say regarding this young man who wanted to actually be the father to his unborn child that he's not a father, it's not a baby. None of that reality matters. It's not reality. Because our ideology says that babies aren't babies and therefore the biological fathers of unborn children aren't fathers. So they have no moral weight or authority to speak into the lives of their unborn children. Well, here's another example of that. Recently, a doctor in South Africa was banned from practicing medicine because he believes in reality. He believes that babies are babies. He believes that the science of embryology that he learned in medical school was actually objective. And therefore, he believes in the reality that abortion actually kills a baby a biological human baby. But that's bad, that's evil. You can't tell people that because that goes against pro-choice ideology. And if our pro-choice ideology is exposed for what it is, a sham, then maybe maybe portions of the American public will reject that sham. Maybe they'll become pro-life. Now, of course, this story is coming out of South Africa, but there are plenty of examples and we're going to talk about more today of this happening in America as well. So on August 27th, an article was on the uh, uh, Sowetan Live um, website in South Africa. And here's what they reported. Jaques Devos, who's 32, is facing charges of unprofessional conduct and was prohibited from practicing medicine due to his views on abortion. The former intern at two military hospital in Winburg allegedly told a patient more than two years ago, that a fetus was a human being. He allegedly likened abortion to the killing of an unborn human while working for the gynecology division during his intern year. Oh, so, so wait, wait. So you mean that, that he just said things that were true? You mean he just said, I live in reality and remember like babies in the womb, they're humans because like that's where you came from? And your, your parents are human, so you actually have to be of the same species. Oh, oh no, now you can't practice medicine. Don't tell that to pregnant women. So apparently this is what he said. He's now facing four charges of unprofessional conduct from the Health Professions Council of South Africa. This is what happens when ideology trumps reality. When ideology trumps reality, lies become truths and evil becomes good. Because, because when, when you bow down to your ideology, when you make it the, the, the end all, there is no room for reality. When you create a fantasy kingdom, a fantasy reality where babies aren't babies and abortion doesn't kill human babies, then evil becomes good and good becomes evil. Now, you might think that telling your patients, that telling lies to your patients would be unprofessional, Right? But when pro-choice ideology reigns, then it's actually unprofessional to utter truths. That's what's unprofessional. Like, like an embryo is a human. A baby is a baby. And an abortion kills baby humans. <laughs> when, when, when abortion ideology reigns, then you, you charge people with unprofessional conduct for reciting embryological facts that every doctor would have learned in medical school. This is the insanity of pro-choice ideology. So the Society for the Protection of Unborn Children in the UK has been covering this story. They say, quote, according to this report, DeVos allegedly infringed 
the patient's autonomy with his anti-abortion utterances. He infringed the patient's autonomy with his anti-abortion utterances. Now, what is autonomy? Autonomy is freedom. Freedom from external control. Freedom from external influence. Right? I'm, I'm not forcing you. I'm not coercing you into doing anything. Unlike the University of Vermont Medical Center we covered recently, coercing Catholic nurses to perform abortions. No, no. Autonomy is not being coerced or forced into doing anything. It's having the freedom to make free choices as an independent agent. Okay? So that's autonomy. Well, unless, unless your, your ears happen to hear scientific facts. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, I, I, I just heard a doctor say what my high school biology teacher told me, that the embryo is biologically human. Oh, my autonomy has been infringed. You've compromised my autonomy. <laughs> this is what happens when, when ideology matters more than reality. So much so that we have to punish and fire doctors who only got there by learning the very things that they're now reciting to patients. So apparently, this pregnant woman he was speaking to had her rights and autonomy infringed. Not because he said actually anything anti-abortion. He, he didn't actually even give his opinion on abortion, did he? He just told her what happens. The baby is a human, and abortion kills that human. What, maybe he thinks it's okay to kill baby humans. He didn't even say his opinion. He just said this is what happens. But apparently that is now infringing on autonomy. Now, if you think this is crazy and ludicrous and, oh, well, that's South Africa, <laughs> we have plenty more for you today showing how this is happening in America as well. Now, here's a question. Here's a good question. Do pro-aborts infringe women's autonomy if they acknowledge reality? <gasps> what if... I don't know, what if the president of the largest abortion provider in the UK said the same thing? Would she be infringing on women's autonomy? That would be kind of strange, right? Because she actually, she actually has an entire career based on providing and protecting abortion access. Well, actually, we have that story for you. Anne Freudy, the CEO of the largest abortion provider in the UK in a 2000 debate said, quote, we can accept that the embryo is a living thing in the fact that it has a beating heart, that it has its own genetic system within it. It's clearly human in the sense that it's not a gerbil and we can recognize that it is human life. <gasps> oh my gosh, my, my, my autonomy's been infringed. And this is coming from the CEO of the largest abortion provider in the UK. Did, did, did she infringe every female's autonomy in the UK? Well, according to this ideology, that's what has to happen. But of course, the left isn't interested in consistently applying their standards. They only subjectively apply their standards when they want to lambast and demonize people that they don't like and don't agree with. That's usually pro-life individuals. How about, I don't know, the former president of Planned Parenthood saying that babies are babies and abortion kills babies. Oh, look, Faye Waddleton. Former Planned Parenthood president in a 1997 interview with Miss Magazine said, quote, I think that we have deluded ourselves into believing that people don't know that abortion is killing. So any pretense that abortion is not killing is a signal of our ambivalence, a signal that we cannot say, yes, it kills a fetus. So Anne Freudian in UK, fetuses are humans. Faye Waddleton in the United States, former president of Planned Parenthood, Abortion kills fetuses who are biologically human, and abortion is killing. Boy, 
I, I, I hope we see the pro-choice movement and left lambast all of these abortion leaders for acknowledging biological realities and therefore compromising the autonomy and infringing upon the autonomy of women in America and the UK. And then, of course, we have Naomi Wolf, feminist author, former political advisor to Bill Clinton in a 1996 New Republic article entitled Our Bodies, Our Souls. And she says, quote, clinging to a rhetoric about abortion in which there is no life and no death, we entangle our, our beliefs in a series of self-delusions, fibs, and evasions. In other words, in other words, a fantasy. <laughs> we need to contextualize the fight to defend abortion rights within a moral framework that admits that the death of a fetus is a real death. And, and yet nobody cares when abortion leaders acknowledge that the unborn is biologically human and abortion kills that unborn human. So the Society for the Protection of Unborn Children in UK, the, uh, the education and research director rather, Dr. Anthony McCarthy, described the charges against this doctor as, quote, based on ideology, not scientific fact. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. When pro-choice ideology reigns, scientific fact goes out the window because it goes against your narrative that you have to maintain, which is that abortion is reproductive healthcare and it doesn't kill a baby. So apparently only one ideology is allowed in the medical community, the pro-abortion one. And it is a false ideology with no basis in scientific facts. And if you believe in that reality, you must be silenced. You must be punished. You must be fired. You must be prevented from practicing medicine because you're uttering anti-abortion nonsense which is really just scientific reality. So this concentrated attack to silence pro-life individuals rages equally strong here in the States, recently with Facebook colluding with abortionists to silence pro-life content. And we're gonna to get to that story right now. But first, if you like this show and wanna hear more great content and commentary and unpacking of the abortion juggernaut in our world, then head on over to patreon.com slash unaborted patreon.com slash unaborted and become a patron of the show listen one of the longtime leaders in the pro-life movement greg cunningham said that there are more people working full-time to kill babies than there are working full-time to save them and that's because killing babies is actually very profitable while saving them is very costly well this show is part of the strategy towards saving lives and it is costly and Ideas have consequences, and sadly, the pro-abortion ideology, those ideas, have rarely been examined by your run-of-the-mill American family. And so this show is intended to unpack those ideas and equip Christian leaders, lay people, and young people who have maybe never engaged in pro-life advocacy to be a voice for the unborn and to create a community and a place where people who are somewhere right of center and uncomfortable with abortion can come and get information that doesn't resort to Orwellian doublespeak, but examines what is going on in the country and, and examines the consequences of bad ideas. So with your help, we can continue to produce this show, increase our production value, bring on guests, provide a one-stop shop for pro-life individuals like yourself to receive education, encouragement, and a little humor so you can go back out and be a voice for the unborn in our midst. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
Welcome back to Unaborted. So as I said, when ideology trumps reality, then the biological fathers of unborn children aren't fathers and the babies aren't babies. Doctors who went through med school and learned the science of embryology, that babies are babies and abortion actually kills a baby, can't say that to pregnant women, even if they're not condemning abortion and acknowledging scientific realities, because then that goes against pro-choice ideology. And now in America, if you post biologically and medically true facts, you can be silenced because that is reality. We don't want to hear that. And that might inform people about abortion and maybe they won't have abortions. This story is going to infuriate you and shock you if you haven't heard it already. So apparently Facebook has been relying on abortionists of all people to fact check pro-life content on Facebook and suppress it. Now, an abortionist, they wouldn't have any financial incentive to suppress pro-life content, would they? Of course not. It's, it's not as if accurate pro-life content might change hearts and minds so that people don't get abortions and maybe they reshare it on their page and then other people don't get abortions. Oh yeah, abortionists have no financial incentive to make sure that only one ideology is promoted by a leftist tech company called Facebook. I'm being sarcastic. So the LifeSite News article on September 3rd said, quote, early Friday morning, August 30th, Facebook began notifying users who had posted certain live action content that an allegedly independent fact checker had rated one of live action's claims as false. Specifically the claim, ready? Here was the claim that, quote, abortion is never medically necessary. The content affected was a video of live-action president Lila Rose speaking on the topic at Young America's Foundation, as well as a live-action news article premiering live-action's pro-life replies video on the same topic, narrated by Dr. Kendra Kolb, a board-certified physician specializing in pediatrics and neonatal perinatal medicine. And these were the videos that they fact-checked and suppressed because the message being communicated was abortion is never medically necessary. So Facebook notified users who shared certain content that an independent fact checker had reviewed it. And so, according to the article, Live Action was notified by Facebook that links from the domain liveaction.org, including Live Action News, as well as content shared on founder and president Lila Rose Facebook page will now have, quote, reduced distribution and other restrictions because of repeated sharing of false news. Ooh, you, you want to know Big Brother? You want to you wanna see 1984 in America today? Here it is. So who are these independent fact checkers? Because we don't want false news on Facebook, especially about, about embryos, especially about new life. So who are these independent fact checkers? Well, I told you they're abortionists, two abortionists. Facebook turns to, to confirm the ideology they want to promote, which is that, well, abortion, it, sometimes it needs to be medically necessary. And so we need to suppress and, and shut these people up. Here are, the, here are who these two abortionists are. Dr. Daniel Grossman, director of Advancing New Standards in Reproductive Health. Maybe he should think about uh, advancing standards of protecting the products of reproduction, which are babies. Maybe he shouldn't be killing the products of reproduction. But he's the director of Advancing New Standards in Reproductive Health, a euphemistic organization if there ever was one. According to the article, he is an abortionist and the senior advisor of IBIS Reproductive Health, an organization which receives funding directly from abortion pill manufacturer Dankel Laboratories. 
He is on the board of NARAL, Pro-Choice America, and is a liaison member of Planned Parenthood Federation of America's National Medical Committee. He is also an abortion instructor at the University of California, San Francisco, which is one of the most dangerous places for an unborn children. They literally train students how to perform abortions there. And he is leading the push for so-called, quote, self-managed abortion. What a peach. What a lovely guy. Wouldn't you hire him to uh, babysit your children? And then Dr. Robin Schickler, fellow with Physicians for Reproductive Health. Again, not concerned with being a physician protecting the health of newly reproduced human beings. They are, quote, an organization also focused on abortion. PRH is also funded by original investors of abortion pill manufacturer and George Soros's Open Society Foundation, and also trains future abortionists. Schickler is also notably of the opinion that preborn children don't have heartbeats starting at 21 days after fertilization, and she calls that mere cardiac activity. It's just cardiac activity. It's not that unborn children have heartbeats. Even the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists calls them heartbeats until this year when using the term in reference to preborn children suddenly became controversial, if you recall, due to pro-life legislation and the heartbeat bill. So here are the two independent fact checkers who have literally gotten rich off of the dismemberment of children and now train others to do the same. These are the independent fact checkers Facebook turns to to suppress the message that abortion is never medically necessary. Ideology trumps reality indeed. Now, the, uh, these abortionists obviously have a financial incentive to suppress the reality that abortion is never medically necessary. Of course they do. Because what is one of the popular reasons and arguments for support of abortion? Well, I'll tell you, I do this full time. Many people support abortion for any reason or no reason at all because sometimes you have to have an abortion to save the life of the mother. That's a very popular position, even among some moderate pro-choicers, meaning that like they don't like the idea of third trimester abortions, but they think abortion should be allowed in some circumstances. But one of their primary defenses for that position is because, well, what if a mother's life is on the line? Wouldn't abortion be medically necessary then? So these abortionists have a financial incentive to, to hide the message that abortion is never medically necessary because large swaths of the American public support abortion because of circumstances where it might be needed to preserve the life or health of the mother. Well, what if, what if Americans find out that abortion is not necessary to save a pregnant mother's life? What if Americans find out that even if a mother is facing um, dangerous physical um, reactions or struggles or her life is on the line, but that you, you don't actually have to dismember the baby to save the mother's life, Maybe less Americans would support abortion. You see, they literally have a financial incentive to make sure that the medically accurate statement abortion is never medically necessary does not reach too many people or is not articulately explained in this pro-life response video posted by Live Action that abortion is never medically necessary. So this new fact-checking website is called healthfeedback.org and it's literally brand new. They have like 18 fact checks they've done. It's a brand new website. And Facebook pulls from these two abortionists to fact check this statement. So in this fact check, abortionist Dr. Grossman says, quote, these comments made by Lila Rose, who is not a clinician, are not medically accurate. He says that the piece that is missing in her comments is the gestational age of the pregnancy. I mean, so this guy is a euphemistic ninja, right? 
pregnancies don't have ages, babies have ages, but he says the gestational age of the pregnancy. If the pregnant woman develops a life-threatening condition at a gestational age when the fetus is likely to survive, it is true that in most cases, obstetricians would proceed with expedited delivery. So he's saying if the baby, pregnancy, is developed enough, then, then abortion is not medically necessary because you can deliver the baby who is viable enough to survive outside the womb and save the mother and baby. But he goes on and says, but if the pregnant woman develops a serious condition at 20 weeks, such as ruptured membranes with signs of infection or heavy bleeding from placenta previa, it is critical, it is critical to terminate the pregnancy quickly to save her life. There is no chance that the fetus can survive and an abortion would be the fastest and safest way to terminate the pregnancy. I mean, this is like calling child abuse safe, right? So translation, what Dr. Grossman is saying is that if a pregnant woman has a life-threatening condition and the baby is not developed enough to be viable, is not developed enough to survive outside the womb, intentionally killing the baby is the best and safest solution. That's what Dr. Grossman is saying here. But LifeSite News covering this story goes on to say, quote, but neither of the videos, none of live action's videos on the subject, in fact, made the claim that the preborn child must survive or the procedure is an abortion. Quite the opposite. These abortion providers claimed in their fact check saying, well, it is possible for early delivery to preserve both the life of the mother and the child in the event of a life-threatening condition, as the video suggests. It does not mention that this is only applicable when a fetus's gestational age is advanced enough that its survival outside the womb is possible. In situations where a fetus has not developed sufficiently, it would not be possible for expedited delivery to save it's life. But nothing in the live action videos or content makes that case. They have just projected that narrative onto live action in order to justify their fact check and suppress this message. Nothing in the live action video ever said that you can always save the life of the mother and the child. They're saying that it's never necessary to intentionally kill the baby. And yes, an expedited delivery might lead to the death of the baby, but that's not what you intended. You're giving that baby a chance to live. In a life-threatening pregnancy for the mother, we know that we can't always save the life of the child. We know that. But every attempt should always be made to try to save the life of the child and the mother. And this gets to the big debate and misunderstanding on the left of killing versus letting die. These are essentially the same to the left. If a baby is going to die because let's it's right it's not developed enough to survive outside the womb and you have to save the mother's life they don't see any moral difference between dismembering the baby intentionally and letting and, and inducing labor with a preterm baby that will lead to that preterm baby's death in order to save the life of the mother they see no moral difference between those two and this is what pro-lifers have been pointing out for years is, hey, guys, killing and letting die is very differently. If your grandpa is very, very sick and he is on life support and you as a family are trying to decide which decisions to make, such as removing life support, that would be letting die. You're letting a natural course of events follow that would have followed anyways if you didn't have the medical technology to extend his life on life support. That is letting die because, right, he would have died anyways. If I walk into the hospital room where your grandpa's on life support and I slit his throat with a knife, nobody in the right mind would say, well, you let him die. But to the pro-choice community, slitting the throats of unborn children is the same as letting them die because, well, they're going to die anyways. 
What what a horrific failure to to acknowledge such a simple moral difference. But it's because they see killing and letting die as essentially the same as long as those human beings are unborn that they're able to label this claim as false by saying, well, you, you can't save the baby. If, it's, if the mother has a life-threatening condition and the baby is not developed enough to survive outside the womb, it's the safest thing to kill the baby because it's going to die anyways. Intentionally killing innocent human beings, even if they might die soon anyways, is barbaric, immoral, and unnecessary. Literally unnecessary. And we're going to get to that soon because this was the statement that got suppressed. Abortion is never medically necessary. And according to LifeSite News, over a thousand medical professionals have signed something called the Dublin Declaration, agreeing that abortion is never medically necessary. Over a thousand medical professionals. Here's what they say in the Dublin Declaration. Quote, we uphold that there is a fundamental difference between abortion and necessary medical treatments that are carried out to save the life of the mother even if such treatments result in the loss of life of her unborn child, right? So you can take certain actions to save the life of the mother, such as inducing early labor of a preterm baby. Maybe that baby survives. Give them a chance. Maybe they don't. But you didn't intend their death, see? You intended to save the life of the mother. The death of the baby is, is a foreseen but unintended consequence. Abortion is not a foreseen but unintended consequence. It's a foreseen and intended consequence. You intentionally end the life of the child. But the reality that abortion is never medically necessary destroys the ability of pro-choicers to say abortion should be legal in all cases because some women will need it to save their life. If the message gets out and the American public understands that abortion is never medically necessary and you can always save the life of the mother without intentionally killing the unborn child, then pro-choicers can no longer say, well, the reason I support legal abortion is because sometimes it's necessary to save the life of the mother. You see why these abortionists would be invested in making sure that that narrative doesn't get out? Why would Facebook be invested in that? Well, live action is the largest pro-life, has the most pro-life content online. And we're leading up to an election between a pro-life president and candidates who won't even vote on an anti-infanticide bill. So now we're starting to see some of what is that play here? What happens when ideology trumps reality? So the fantasy of pro-choice ideology must be maintained even at the cost of censoring and restricting speech based on realistic biological facts. Because reality, remember, has an annoying habit of reasserting itself in our lives. And when the reality of abortion becomes clear to Americans, many of them will reject it because the reality of abortion is indeed brutal. And when that reality is made clear, many Americans reject it. I know this from firsthand. I've done educational displays on campus that show what abortion is like. And minds change. Hearts change. Well, guess what? Live action communicates the reality of abortion better than anyone else because they have the largest total online reach of any pro-life organization in the country. Facebook knows this. And so as an arm of the Democratic Party, Facebook will put ideology before reality in order to suppress pro-life content and keep it from swaying voters away from radical Democratic candidates and towards the re-election of the most pro-life president in American history, Donald Trump. So what are the consequences of all of this? 
of, of pretending like fathers are not fathers if their children live six inches away, that doctors who know the science of embryology have to pretend like they don't, and tech companies can suppress medically true statements because two abortionists who call killing babies healthcare say those statements are not medically accurate. What are the consequences of all of this? Well, when you worship ideology over reality, there tends to be uncomfortable consequences. Ideas have consequences. When you deny objective realities in one part of your life, namely the abortion debate, that tends to impact other areas of your life. And most recently, this was made clear in Dave Chappelle's new comedy routine. Dave Chappelle, of all people, illustrates the consequences of putting ideology before reality. His new comedy routine named Sticks and Stones, currently available on Netflix, is a hilarious lambasting of many leftist tendencies, believe it or not. And Dave Chappelle is no conservative. Dave Chappelle is no libertarian. Dave Chappelle is no pro-life advocate. And yet he goes after some of the hilarious consequences of bad ideology. And he has a segment on abortion in which he exposes what happens when you, when you sacrifice, sacrifice reality on the altar of ideology. So I'm going to play you this segment in which he addresses abortion um, and we are going to censor some of the content because he is a bit vulgar. So let's watch Dave Chappelle show us the consequences of everything we just talked about. The right to choose is their unequivocal right. Not only do I believe they have the right to choose, I believe that they shouldn't have to consult anybody except for a physician about how they exercise that right. Gentlemen, that is fair. And ladies, to be fair to us, I also believe if you decide to have the baby, a man should not have to pay. That's fair. If you can kill this I can at least abandon him. It's my money, my choice. And if I'm wrong, then perhaps we're wrong. Well, wasn't that something? Wasn't that something? Now, Dave Chappelle is clearly no friend to the pro-life movement. He goes pretty hard after men speaking out on abortion, though, of course, he's giving his opinions on abortion. Maybe he should be made aware of that. So he's obviously no friend to the pro-life movement. And yet he seemingly unintentionally exposes the consequences of putting ideology before reality, of advancing pro-choice narratives that have no basis in truth, that have no basis in facts at the expense of facts, at the expense of actual reality of what is biologically true and what is true to the, to the common sense, to the natural law, to the rational human being, that all human beings have a right to life regardless of whether they're inside the womb or outside the womb. Because when you deny the objective and biological reality that unborn babies are humans and humans have rights, that ideology has intellectual consequences. It has intellectual consequences that oftentimes the pro-choice movement suddenly becomes very uncomfortable with. Suddenly becomes very uncomfortable with. And it's clear that his audience wasn't sure whether to laugh at his statement or stay silent or scream at him when he said, if you can kill this mf'er, 
I can at least abandon him. Now, this is because the universe tends to have a certain coherence to it. There is a divine logic, a natural law, if you will, that guides humanity. Pro-choicers may reject certain aspects of that divine logic, as they do with abortion, but we are compelled to accept other parts of it because the same God that made you made the laws that govern you. The same God that made you made the laws that inform your subjective sense of morality. Because everyone's a relativist until they have their wallet stolen. Everyone's a relativist until they're pro-choice and they're told they can't have abortion. All of a sudden, they think there's objective truth. So if the ideology of bodily autonomy at any cost trumps the reality that a baby is a baby and is a human being with rights, then how could anyone say it's wrong for men to refuse to pay child support for that same baby? If, if it's true that babies are not humans and have no rights, and therefore it's okay to rip them limb from limb, that is significantly worse than abandoning them. So if that's okay, why, why shouldn't we allow fathers to refuse to pay child support? You see, the consequences of pro-choice ideology suddenly make supporters of abortion uncomfortable because very few pro-choice individuals actually would vote for allowing fathers to never pay a dime to the woman they impregnated and the children that they fathered, especially if those children are born, because according to pro-choicers, you do have value once you've been born. But if you can kill that same baby right before it's born— then it's the same baby right after it's born. And if it's the same baby right after it's born, and the birth canal is not a magical birth canal that confers personhood, then it should be perfectly acceptable to abandon that baby and never pay child support. <laughs> so if it's not wrong to kill a baby, how could it be wrong to not support a baby? And yet Chappelle says, and if I'm wrong, then maybe we're wrong. If I'm wrong in saying that if you can kill a baby, I can abandon it and never pay child support for the child's entire life. If I'm wrong, then maybe we're wrong about this whole thing. Now, whether he intended to communicate that message is an entirely different conversation, but he did intend to. He did uh, indeed communicate it. Why? Because reality has an annoying tendency of reasserting itself in our lives. Because we live in God's world and we have to abide by his laws. Even if we reject certain aspects of that moral law, we accept other aspects of it. We can't avoid but accept certain aspects of God's moral law. Because eternity is written on the heart of man. We live in God's world. So our minds are going to abide by his laws, even if we don't do it consistently all the time. So if it is wrong to abandon a baby, if it's wrong to abandon your child and refuse to pay child support, it must certainly be wrong to kill that same child. If the ideology you worship and live according to has intellectual consequences like we just saw, you and you don't like that, and you reject the consequences of that ideology, then, there, then there's something wrong with your ideology. If your ideology leads to bad consequences you don't like, it's not your opponent's fault. It's the ideology you've accepted's fault. C.S. Lewis said this in 1943. He gave a great definition of progressives. He said, progress means getting nearer to the place where you want to be. And if you have taken a wrong turn, then to go forward does not get you any nearer. 
If you are on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. And in that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive man. There is nothing progressive about being pig-headed and refusing to admit a mistake. This is what Chappelle's saying. If I'm wrong, then maybe we're wrong. He's, he's at least saying, if I'm wrong about abandoning my child, maybe we did make a mistake in supporting the wholesale slaughter of unborn children. And if, if, and I think if you look at the present state of the world, C.S. Lewis says, it's pretty plain that humanity has been making some big mistakes. We're on the wrong road. And if that is so, we must go back. Going back is the quickest way on. If you want to be a progressive and you don't like the consequences of the ideology that you have been worshiping, there's something wrong with your ideology. You need to go back to the drawing board and decide what is a better system of beliefs to live by that don't turn out such uncomfortable consequences, such as it's okay to refuse to pay child support and abandon your children. So who knew that Dave Chappelle was going to show us the consequences of putting ideology before reality? If you live in a fantasy world and refuse to acknowledge simple biological scientific facts that fathers are fathers to their unborn children, that doctors learned that babies are babies because that's objectively true and they should be able to say that in the public square, and that medically true statements like abortion is never medically necessary ought to be allowed on a platform that claims to believe in free speech, if, if you put ideology before reality and refuse to allow, if Big Brother refuses to allow those realistic statements to inform the decisions we make in America, then we are left with these consequences. If it's okay to kill a baby, it's certainly okay to abandon that baby because there's no meaningful difference between that baby in the womb and that baby outside the womb. So that's all that we have time for today. Thanks for joining me. Head on over to iTunes and YouTube and give this show a review and a rating so we can climb the rating reviews on iTunes and reach more people. If you want to learn more and engage with me online, head on over to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com. For my training videos, my speaking schedule, if you want to hear me speak live and locally, and subscribe to my newsletter to get content and equipping sent to your inbox on how to be a voice for the unborn in this propitious moment in our culture. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted.